Well, if you're listening to this podcast, by now you know that we love having hard and necessary conversations. And today is one of those. We are going to go all over the map in this conversation. I loved talking with Deanna Singh. She has a recent book out called Action Speak Louder, where she talks about diversity, equity, and inclusion, not just across race, but across age groups, power dynamics, or the lack thereof. We talk about really practical things like how to bring everyone's voices forward in a meeting. We wonder and kind of talk through and dream about reimagining the future of work, the challenges that we've faced as opportunities, not just as obstacles. I love the way that she thinks. She is a chief change agent. I have never heard of a chief change agent before and leads a company called The Flying Elephant. What's not to love about a company called Flying Elephant? I love the work that she does in her companies, but also with her consulting work that she has. This was a phenomenal conversation. I loved it. And I just want to invite you to share this with your executive team and have conversations with it, to share this with one of your teammates, your coworkers, somebody else that you can ask these questions to. Particularly, she talks about what's past its season, what's broken in your workplace and needs changing. And maybe that's something really simple and maybe that's something bigger culturally. But I can guarantee you there are opportunities right now to rethink the way that we work, to rethink who we are giving power to, and to rethink how we are actually coming to work, especially if you are a leader with power and influence in your workplace and workspace. I love this conversation. We need to be having more of these. These are the kind of things we talk about as a Stay Forth team. And we are trying to reimagine a different way forward, not only with our Stay Forth team, but with those that we coach and consult with. So I hope you love this conversation half as much as I did. She's a social entrepreneur, a consultant, a thought leader, and an author, Deanna Singh. Welcome to the podcast, Deanna. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here, Alan. Man, you do a lot of stuff. So instead of me trying to share your bio and all the things you do and are excited and passionate about, uh, when somebody pulls up a chair next to you and says, so Deanna, what do you do? What do you actually tell them? Well, first of all, I take a deep breath, Alan, because there's a lot of things (laughs) that are part of my my world. But what I love to share with people is that I'm actually the chief change agent of an organization called Flying Elephant. And that organization is a social enterprise that actually is an umbrella for four other social ventures. So real quick, uh, one is called Purposeful Hustle where we do leadership work with leaders who are trying to make a difference in the world. Another is a children's book imprint called Story to Tell Books where we put out books that feature positive images of children of color. Uh, The third company is called Birth Coach Milwaukee where we, we provide doula services to birthing people before, during and after labor. And the last company where I spend a majority of my time for sure is uh, Uplifting Impact, where we do work around helping people build bridges, specifically as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. All right. Well, good good work on the intro, kind of braiding those things together. I'm sure we could go <laughs> five different directions here on the podcast. Uh, but first of all, I want to say congratulations uh, on your new book, Actions Speak Louder. Uh, how was the process? 
Oh my goodness. You know, it has been such an amazing ride. I am so fortunate to be able to be working with just an exceptional team at Penguin Random House. They have made this, I think, uh, even more enjoyable. I do have to tell you that writing a book can be overwhelming. There's just so many things, uh, you know, actions speak louder. The focus is on how to help organizations that really want to create inclusive workplaces, like do that. And so there's lots and lots and lots and lots that I can say about that. So being able to work with a great team that could help like call it down, make it tangible, you know, give, get out of all my verbose, like, and do something that uh, people could really work with was, was quite the, the ordeal, but really, really awesome. And I'm so proud of where we landed. Awesome. Well, congrats. Let's dive into that message. So uh, people who say, I do want to create uh, a more inclusive workplace. I do want to move in that direction. I just don't know where to start. Where should a team or an organization start? So for me, that actually was the primary question and the primary question that I kept getting asked by people, right? There was nobody who's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have an inclusive work environment. Of course, I, of course I want my people to, <laughs> right. I want my people to be burnt out. Or I want my people not to want to come here. Nobody wants that, you know, no, no leader does. And so that was a question they were getting all the time. Like I want to do this. I just don't know what it looks like. And so really what we tried to do uh, with the book, Alan, is the first kind of part of it is helping people understand how you even approach these conversations and change them from these like episodic, you know, once a little here, a little bit here, a little bit there, some sprinkling of inclusivity work to really thinking about how you make it part of your strategy. So the first part of the book, we just help people understand how to make the arguments and really get the buy-in from the, the, the right people and kind of the, the organization as a whole on how to turn what they want to do around inclusion Uh, from these sporadic things into something that's much more of a strategy. So that's one thing. And the second part of of the book is really with a big focus on some of the critical areas that we see um, you can have the most impact in, right? So things like hiring and retention and performance reviews, where there are things that literally can be done. And, And my whole goal was like, I want people to be able to pick up the book, read a chapter, and put it down and have things that they can do right away, right? So that's what the second half of the book is, is like, what are some of the activities you can do with your team? What are some of the things you should be asking yourself? Uh, What are some of the changes that you can make that will have real impact? So maybe we should start with even some of the why um, behind some of this. We love, uh, at least I love having uncomfortable conversations, you know, here on the podcast. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of these as well. Maybe even start a lot of these in workplaces, um, talk a little bit about a power dynamic. So I'm a white male and that brings with it, um, advantages and a lot of challenges, uh, in the workplace that I can accidentally bring on other people. Talk about some accidental power dynamics, uh, that we bring to the workplace. You know, I think that there's, um, a lot of that that happens. And one of the things that we talk about in the book, and this is, I think, one of the kind of uncomfortable conversations that I tend to have a lot in my work is a, a conversation around privilege. So the way that privilege is talked about, kind of, if you look at mass media and you look at, um, you know, just how it's uh, conjured up and, you know, just the way that it's been, I don't, for lack of better words, kind of hijacked, um, you end up not being able to have really 
comprehensive questions or, or comprehensive conversations about what are the privileges that we have, especially workplace privileges, and how can we use them? And so there's a whole section in the book that really talks about no matter what your social identities are, no matter what your background is, no matter what your title is, no matter where you sit in the office or what your pedigree is, every one of us has different kinds of privileges in different contexts, in different conversations. And the, the question that we try to pose for people is to really move around like the idea of do you have privilege? Because I think you know, especially as we share privilege and the definition of privilege, the fact is we all do, right? It's just, it's different in different contexts. And there's in some places where we do have it and some places where we don't, given what our social identity is. We try to move people past that conversation and that question to how are you using your privilege? And so that's like a really important distinction if you think about it, because if we can accept the point that everybody has it in different contexts and what is most powerful or where you can have the most impact is in thinking about how you use it, that's a very different conversation, right? Um, so I can give you an example if you think that, that would be helpful, Alan. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was just going to ask. <laughs> so so for example, right? I am a woman of color and I'm an entrepreneur. Um, one of the things that I end up doing is coming into organizations uh, where I am providing coaching or consulting work, and I'm coming from an outside perspective. In a lot of those conversations, I have the ability to show up and to ask questions and, uh, you know, start conversations that somebody who, you know, is part of the day to day is really dependent on that job for their their livelihood might not feel or because there are certain power dynamics that are already afoot in the organization might not feel like they have the ability to uh, start those conversations or facilitate them or have the them. outsider consultants so, privilege that you come right, in with. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, so that's, that's really important. I also, you know, have had a tremendous, I have, I, well, here's another privilege, right? I, I will have wonderful people like you who will reach out and say, Hey, Deanna, want to have a conversation? And so I get the privilege of platform, right? Uh, and so in these conversations, I get to decide what it is I'm going to talk about and kind of what I'm going to elevate and who I might elevate. So how do I use that privilege in this context to make sure that we're having a conversation for people who might not be asked or invited up to the microphone. So I, I think it's just like, right. It illuminates for you. Like what are the things that you're bringing into the space and, and what are the things that you can do um, that you could do differently with what you have already at your, at your disposal? Yeah. What, where do you sense um, teams are at right now? Uh, Deanna, I know due to the confusion of the last few years and the complexity uh, of that, what are some of the big questions that teams are asking right now? I think one really big question is what is the future of work, right? And, and how we how we do work. Um, I, I think that right now we have this amazing opportunity. And I think that a lot of people would characterize what we're going through differently, right? Like a, as a challenge, as a stressor, as a burden. Um, but I've been really trying to coach people up into thinking about this as an opportunity. What is it that we can do to reimagine what was broken in the workplace? Yes. How, how can we use how can we use this moment, right? And so I think one of the big things that teams are going to be really struggling with is whether or not they're ready to make um, some bold decisions, whether they're uh, in a position to experiment a little bit now whether they are going to try and force people back into a status quo that just really doesn't and probably hadn't been working for a while, or are they going to look at things differently? 
Yeah, we use a coaching question and we ask what is either broken or past its season. And I'm finding there's a ton, like you're saying, that is just past its season. It just actually wasn't really working that well before, but it was just good enough to limp along that we clearly being away from it go, no, that wasn't of like, like our meetings would be an example of that when and oh, how absolutely. and the pace and how we prepare, or don't prepare for those. Uh, most of that was past its season, if not broken. And that could be a helpful way for listeners to, to think through that. No harm, no foul, no judgment on that, but just take an honest assessment right now. I absolutely agree. Uh, what else? What are a couple of crucial questions you see organizations grappling with right now? Well, I, I just really love even what you mentioned right now, like about meetings. There's a whole section in the book just around meetings. How are we facilitating them? Who's getting invited? What are some of the, the dynamics that we have and we're letting persist in our meetings? And what are some of the things that we could do differently that would actually create more inclusion? So I think there's a couple of other things that I would point to. So one is this big, you know, what, how are we reimagining the world? I think another component of it is where are we trying to go? And what is the, the future of our market space? Um, I have the great, great pleasure of being able to work with people in all kinds of different you know, spaces, in, in all different sectors, in all different parts of the world, of all different sizes, you know, Fortune 50 to, to, to smaller nonprofit organizations, right? And I think that one of the things that's just a very, very consistent theme is what is changing about the world and are you coming kicking and screaming or are you trying to get on the forefront? And there's, when I'm having a conversation with different organizations, there's definitely a different tone based on where you are on that spectrum, right? And I, so I think that's the other thing is just wrestling with, do we wanna be at the forefront? Do we wanna lead this these changes or do we wanna be sort of in the back and follow others? And I think that that is going to uh, have a huge impact on who thrives and who survives and um, and who doesn't, right? As far as like organizations go, as, as we move into this next iteration of work. So I think that's another big one. Just where are you at in the pack? Yeah, uh, I'm seeing two different groups, completely different take on that of how do we go backwards, which we can't, that's not how time works. And the others that are drawn <laughs> to a lot of, you know, some of our consulting and coaching work of no, we're, we do see it as an opportunity. Are you experiencing that, a pretty wide delta between the two groups? I think so. I think that, um, I don't know if I would even call it like a delta. I think what I'm more so seeing is this like very quick oscillation between the two. Um, I think that it's happening, you know, I, I don't know what your experience has been like, but for me, it was like, you know, there might be a season where you felt like you were here and at the front and, and a season when you were at the back. And now I feel like it's almost like an hourly thing, right? There's a moment where we're like, oh my gosh, That's we fair. have to get ahead of it. And That's then that, the next moment. Yeah. Probably for you yes. and I as well. We probably have those surges of fear <laughs> and grief that just got, come upon us and then, oh yeah, we're ready to innovate. So that that's fair. I, I think it's a better nuance and look maybe than I'm, than I'm treating it with. No, no. So I, I, that's just something that I think is, um, it feels like it's happening faster. I think that's also wearing us down, right? Like I think that feeling like we're constantly kind of um, oscillating between some pretty intense extremes is tiring. I, you know, and I think that that's kind of some of the, 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 the tiring that's happening right now. So for sure, I, I, uh, I feel that stress. Right. And I think that that is leading to a lot of people just, um, 
I don't know, feeling worn out. I don't know if you're feeling that too, or just this the Every, sense of everybody like, is. Ah, everybody <laughs> is. What does that do? What does that do to our teams and our organizations when we lead with that kind of fatigue? Well, I think that part of it is like not recognizing that that's what's happening. Um, so I think that as soon as we sort of start having these kinds of conversations where it's like, hey, a minute ago you were here, now you're here, now you're kind of going back and forth. Like, why is that happening? And what is it that we could do potentially to help um, help even that out a little bit? And what does that mean for us as a team? But what does that actually mean for you as an individual? And I think that's kind of some of those places where I see the greatest potential um, happening, right? Because when organizations are truly inclusive, they are thinking about what's good for the whole, but they're also thinking really creatively about what's good for the individual person and the individual people so that they can show up and create a little bit more balance. And I don't mean to be talking in such um, like broad terms, but I'll give you a, a perfect example, even on our own team. So one of the big things that we focus on is this idea of having focus hours, right? So they are like our core hours as a team. Ooh, so they're typically yes. between more. 10 and yeah, you know, between like 10 and two o'clock. Now, what's great about that is that it respects the fact that as a team, we need to be able to communicate with each other when we want to know when we can schedule meetings, we want to know when, right, without having to like every day or every time we're trying to do that check in, like, are you going to be around? Are you going to be around? But our team is mostly virtual. So what it allows for us to do is to have enough of that continuity of 10 to 2. Obviously, if people have to do other things, we just let each other know. But having that 10 to 2 so that it's like, you know what? that's the time that we can kind of, you know, make appointments and all this other stuff without having to, uh, with the assumption, unless we know otherwise that you're not going to, that you'll be around. But outside of that, that's really on you to decide when is going to be the best fit for you. So you're homeschooling your kids because you're, you know, because your school got shut down because of COVID. Okay. Well, now you have more flexibility that's built into your schedule without us having to do a whole lot. You just get to be able to do that on your own. And so that's just one example of really taking the power dynamic that we talked about earlier and removing it, right? Creating a different kind of way for it to show up. I love that. Um, I want to dive in on meetings in, in just a minute, but I'd love to hear mm -hmm. a little bit more about that. Um, people are saying right now that employees have a lot of power when it comes to shifting their schedule, fighting for things that, that really matter uh, deeply to them. Maybe it's more time at home. Maybe it's just physically taking the kids around to different places. I personally work a six to two thirty workday um, so that I can be dad and, you know, homework guy and guy driving their kids around uh, guy, you know, after, <laughs> yeah. after school. And that's, you know, obviously needs to happen and it allows my wife to then work um, full time as well. Um, how, flexible do you think organizations can and should be uh, in this next season, the future of work? I will tell you something that's so funny. So I used to have these conversations right before the pandemic about being able to uh, create more flexibility and the amount of resistance, telecommuting. It was like, I was, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Blasphemy. It was just, work can't whoa, get done so, in different places. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom does not we work. We have to be, yeah, all the things, right? All, all of the things. And, and we were very fortunate to be a company that was virtual, you know, two years prior to the pandemic. So we had created, or, or even actually longer than that, now that I think about it, but so we had created all kinds of systems and structures and I knew that it could work because I, I was, we were living proof of it, right? Just as ourselves as an organization. So we get all this pushback, all this pushback. Well, the pandemic comes and lo and behold, what happens? Not only can we do it, 
But a lot of organizations are really thriving in in this new way of, of working, right? And so one of the things that I think is important to kind of get back to your question of like, how far should we go? How much flexibility is I would say to push yourself to the limit and then probably go a little bit farther than that. Because we often will put up fake limitations just because we haven't done it before or just because it's brand new. You know, one of the the biases biases we talk about in our work is this idea of status quo bias, right? That even if what I'm doing isn't necessarily the best, I will do it just and I will continue to do it just because it's what I'm comfortable with and it's what I know. Uh, and so I think that right now is the perfect opportunity. You know, you don't have to make long-term commitments. You can pilot things. You can, yeah. um, right. But why not be a little adventurous? The world has given us something that we haven't experienced and, and, and hopefully, right. Won't experience in the way that it was given to us. Nobody right. wants another pandemic, yep. but, but how do we, how do we take this moment and how do we really get, get crafty? Yeah, man, I, I love that. It sounds like we're kind of wired up similar in that you said the word <laughs> pilot. This is an experiment. And I think probably yeah. some of the walls will close behind us a little bit in the fall um, mm-hmm. where I think we have this this moment, which again, this I think moment, maybe three yeah. to six months of let's try some things. Um, the right. cement is wet. Let's push things around and and let's see what kind of borders <laughs> that we can find. Um, limitation breeds innovation. And we're stumbling on, I think, some pretty cool things. Again, very similar. Oh, yeah. We were a decentralized team before COVID. And so um, parts of it hit us hard and other parts of it didn't. Um, and so we didn't have to figure out near the, the kind of things that some, you know, huge organizations that had to do were small, were agile, adaptable, and, and we were decentralized. So we've been able to kind of lean into it and explore. Um, so I love that posture. Uh, I got to go back to meetings. You're talking about that. What are some really practical ways that we can make meetings more inclusive and especially we can hear more people's voices more effectively in meetings? So there's so many different uh, strategies that are in the book, right? And I think a lot of it has to do with your culture. But I guess what I would say before I even get, I will give you some specifics, um, but before I even get into the specifics is to take stock of what is currently happening and take a, a, a lens that allows for you to look at what's currently happening through the eyes or through the experiences of those who might be most marginalized in your group. So for example, If you are in an organization and everybody is, you know, over a certain age, except for one or two people in your team, right? So that's, they're they're technically on the margin, right? They're an underrepresented group on your team. I would think about like, what does my meeting feel like for, for for those individuals, right? Are they less tenured in the organization? Do they get to talk as much? Have they ever led a meeting? Have they, what does it feel like um, from their perspective? And I think starting with that on all the things that we talk about in the book, you know, for recruiting, what does it feel like for marginalized groups to to come through your recruiting process or your hiring process or uh, your retention process or your meetings? If you take that lens, I think a lot of what should be your priorities become more obvious, right, based off of your particular situation. So that's actually the first tip that I would give that is not like sort of it doesn't matter what we're looking at inside of the organization, but that lens is incredibly helpful, right? It creates, I mean, it's essentially empathy is what I'm describing. But as it relates to meetings specifically, I do think there's a couple of things that can be done uh, that have tremendous impact. I think one of them comes back, we've said the word now, I think three times, Ellen, but this comes back to power. How is power distributed before, during, and after the meeting? 
So who gets to make the agendas? Who gets to set the time? Who gets to decide who gets invited? Who yeah. gets uh, to decide when it's over? Who gets to decide what was decided at the meeting? Uh, right. Yeah. So I think that's one. That's a great question. Huge. Yeah. Huge evaluation that you can do. I think another thing to think about is really getting to that question of voice. What are some dynamics that you have that are currently set up or that could be set up pretty easily to facilitate more voice? Do you have an opportunity for people to provide uh, input into the agenda? Is there even agenda that's disseminated? Do people get a chance to um, make adjustments to the agenda? Who gets to talk about different agenda items? Are you really opening it up as a place for questions or are you just using it as a place to like, recap things that could be done in an email, right? So just like voice, yeah. uh, all the questions around voice, I think are also really important. That's good. A lot to think about here. I've got to shift us over. You wrote a book. Uh, I've never heard these two terms together on purposeful hustle, purposeful hustle. <laughs> How in the world do those two words go together? Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you asked. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, so I, you know, if you, if you heard the, the introduction, I'm running um, and I get to be a part of a team that is running four very different companies, right? A children's book imprint, a doula company, a diversity and inclusion firm, and a leadership firm. They're, they're, they're doing different things in the world. The thread that pulls all of them together is what I define as my purpose and is actually the, you know, as the founding member is also the purpose of Flying Elephant, our umbrella organization. And that is to shift power to marginalized communities. That is literally like what I wake up every day thinking about. It's how I determine whether or not we're successful as organizations, as individual entities and as a whole. It's also how I measure how I've done personally at the end of my day, right? So it's this idea of like, how are you doing that? And one of the things that I have found in my own personal journey and my career and the coaching that I've been able to be so fortunate to do with other leaders is that sometimes everybody's motivated by something, right? So it'd be, you're motivated by money, you're motivated by geography, you're motivated by work hours Coffee, or title, tacos, right? Coffee, you know, the list yeah, tacos, all, <laughs> all, all of the different things. But a lot of times, if you're making decisions, or at least in my own experience and kind of in the coaching that I've done, if you're making decisions based off of things that are not tied to that core thing that brings you joy, where you're able to sort of get lost in it and you're able to um, uh, see the impact of it, right? I always say, like, what is it that you could talk about or read about or uh, do without and you lose track of time? But what is that, right? And how and and what especially are the things in that category that make a difference in the larger world? So that are not just about your own self fulfillment, but are really connected to how we're making the world a better place. So for me, purpose is what is it um, that you are uniquely positioned to do, given your life experience and what you've done. And then the hustle part of it is, well, how do you show up in the world knowing that that's your purpose, right? Like. If it's the why and the, and the how, why why is it that I'm motivated every day or what gets me going and and how does that show up? That's how those two words come together for me. It's literally like the bedrock of everything that we do in our company, everything that I do as an individual. And when people get there, oh my gosh, the power that that un unleashes, right? I know who I am. I know what I can do that's unique about where I'm at and I'm going to use it to conspire for our greater good. I, I believe that all the solutions for all the world's problems actually already exist. We just haven't created the opportunities for the people who hold those solutions to let them come forth. 
either it's something that you're holding yourself because you haven't named your purpose and aren't working in that space, or, you know, it's some of the stuff that we talked about earlier when we're talking about action, speak louder, or you're in an environment where you could have the perfect platform to bring that idea of how to cure cancer or, you know, how to end world hunger or how to do what any number or host of, you know, things that could make our world collectively better, but you don't feel like you have the confidence or the trust or even the space for somebody to listen to you. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I love that. And there are a lot more opportunities, I think, to pull voice from other people um, than we have taken advantage of. Again, reinventing our meetings is just one example. Uh, Friends, listeners, pick up the book, Action Speak Louder. Um, And again, the last book we're talking about is Purposeful Hustle. Perhaps, Deanna, when we pull away from the purposeful piece and all we're doing is hustle, 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 that's when it turns into toil that can lead us really into burnout. Would you agree that that's kind of a a danger zone when we disconnect those two? Oh, absolutely. Right. Uh, You know, people are always like, I can't believe you're doing all these different things. I mean, I have some pretty wild days, Alan, just given the, you know, the different places. I I read your bio. I, I (laughs) I do. I do. But that doesn't take my energy away. It refuels me because I'm living in my purpose. There is nothing better than knowing, you know what? Like, this is what I'm positioned to do, right? This is where I can make a difference and being able to see that work on a daily basis. There is no other, I don't think, recharge button that you can get that's stronger. And I, and the other thing I'll just say is like, it's not that I don't get tired, right? Oh my goodness. Like I absolutely 100% have these days where I'm like, I just need to make it to my bed, right? I'm so exhausted. Um, so those days exist, but it's that good tired, tired like, yeah, this is worth it. Right. I, I, I know that this is worth it. I can see how it's connected to this bigger picture. Yeah, that's good. We could talk for hours. We better not last question. (laughs) Uh, There are a lot of leaders that feel like they're caring too much right now. And perhaps they are, maybe they're side hustlers feeling like, is it time to lay this thing down? Um, Doing multiple things, a multipreneur. And they're asking, is this still worth it? Do you have any advice Uh, for those who are weighing their priorities and are asking those kind of questions right now? So first of all, I just want to acknowledge that that's a really hard question, right? And it is something that I think, especially those of us who are incredibly passionate and are moved by our passion, um, one that we come up against quite often. I always think that when one of the like greatest kind of components of being able to name what my purpose is, being really forthcoming about it, is that it's also a really great tool in making some of those discernments. So honestly, like as simple as this may sound, but I, I hope that it's a technique that will help help your listeners. But one of the things that I will do is I will take my purpose, then the, the statement, the way that I say it, And I will literally look at the things in front of me. Like I can open up my email. I've even done this with groups of people who are total strangers. Like they know nothing about me except my purpose statement. And I say like, here are five emails I got in the last week. You know, and I write them up on the board. Like here are the requests. Please come up here and tell me what you think I should say yes to, what I should say no to, what I should pass on. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So so I would say, and, and I think this is the way that I've always kind of phrased the question. And even in the book, I talk about this a lot too that for me, it was always, is this in alignment with my purpose? And is it going to help me like to do or not do this next thing or to keep doing this thing? 
is it somehow allowing me to exponentially increase the amount I'm able to do towards my purpose? If it's not in purpose, then I have a whole bunch of templates, emails. Don't be mad if you get them because I, I don't mean any harm by it, but right. They say really sorry, but this is like not aligned with my purpose right now. It's not where I think it can have the greatest impact, but here is somebody else I can recommend, or, you know, I wish you the very best of luck or whatever, but I have to, I can't say yes to this because it's just not, it's not aligned to purpose. That's great. Thanks so much for that. Hits right on with our listeners and a lot of the conversations that we're having. Deanna, this was a delightful conversation. I can also say a few things. I have never talked to a chief change agent until today, so I can check that one off my list. I love your title. <laughs> I love what you're doing. And a company called Flying Elephant, I mean, I'm just I'm just in. I don't care if that's a food truck or if you guys are changing the world like you are. I'm in. I love that. Uh, love a lot of these conversations. Friends, pick up her new book, Actions Speak Louder. Keep up the great work that you're doing, Deanna. Well, thank you so much. It's always an, an honor to talk to other change makers. So I really appreciate the conversation, Alan. So long.